The next talk is the hidden force, the Eucharist. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, through your precious blood and your mother's tears, hearts and make us one. Come, Holy Spirit, that we may open our hearts to receive the graces of this reflection, that we may come to a new appreciation of the Eucharist. Amen. Fuerza 
crucified for years, forming us as the hidden force, which is his Eucharistic life, one with Jesus' Eucharist. The path is meant to transform each of us, men and women, into living hosts in the world. The Lord said to us, I want the Love Crucified website used to help form my martyrs of love for the decisive battle at hand. The Lord has given us a mission to form as many martyrs of love as we possibly can. There will be wailing and grinding of teeth, massive confusion and desperation. This state of the world will open the doors for the new world order and then will begin the time of great darkness and persecution for all my followers. During this time of great darkness, my missionaries of the cross will hold up my cross as Moses held up his staff with the serpent and call my people to unite in my crucified love. It is my martyrs of love that will shine forth my light in this darkness. Believe in the hidden force which is the power of God hidden in the Eucharist <coughs> as my final outpouring of mercy upon the earth. Do not doubt the missionaries of the cross as the vision I have placed in your heart, but be diligent in calling forth and forming many victims of love for these decisive times. So it's so important that each of us begin to see our mission as the mission of mercy. The hidden force is the gift. It is Jesus Eucharistic, the power of, of Jesus in the Eucharist. And that's why the hidden life in love crucified for both men and women is so important. And the hidden life is specifically written about in the path, in the section united to the Eucharist. And that is an essential teaching of our community. And we have to ponder the hidden life and the Eucharist. The Lord forms his saints as his living host including St. Faustina. She writes, 
O Jesus, how sorry I feel for poor sinners. Jesus, grant them contrition and repentance. Remember your own sorrowful passion. I know your infinite mercy and cannot bear it that a soul that has cost you so much should perish. Jesus, give me the souls of sinners. Let your mercy rest upon them. Take everything away from me, but give me souls. I want to become a sacrificial host for sinners. Let the shell of my body conceal my offering, for your most sacred heart is also hidden in a host. And certainly you are a living sacrifice. Isn't that beautiful? You see how St. Faustina, the, how she lives her, her victimhood in the convent. How her love of souls and saving souls becomes one with Jesus' thirst for sinners. And she's willing and allows herself to become one with the sacrificial host, living host, for sinners to obtain mercy. For them, But specifically, again, this is important for us as victim intercessors, she prays again for them, she asks the Lord, grant them contrition and repentance. You see, she just doesn't say your mercy because she, she knows that in order for souls to truly receive the mercy of the Lord, they have to also receive the gift of repentance. So St. Faustina is constantly imploring, supplicating her beloved to obtain for many souls the gift of repentance. And that has to become also our prayer for souls. The Lord teaches the Love Crucified community how to become living host in our relationships. This is mostly from the path. It says, The purpose of the path is to make each of you my living hosts. As my living host, you are God's warriors for the great battle at hand. Countries will rise up and fight this battle with missiles and arms, but the evil will only continue to intensify. Allow me to possess you with my life. Now, this is the key for us. Ponder every relationship and situation in your lives where you are not loving with me, through me, and in me. You see, those are the words of the Mass. Through him, with him, and in him. The Lord is asking each of us, ponder every relationship in your life that you're not loving as one with me in the sacrifice of the Mass. Why is it so difficult to love this person, the Lord asks us, or to love in these situations? Now look at what he says. It is precisely in those situations and with those persons where you need to be purified. 
It is only in this way that you can become one with my Eucharistic life and be transformed into love. My pure victims of love are God's warriors for these decisive times. That would mean that the Lord is showing us that our training, our formation to become living host is precisely with the people and situations he has placed in our life that are the most difficult. Without those people and without those situations, we cannot become living host. So every day, we need to thank God for all the difficult people in our lives and difficult situations in our lives because it is only through that that we can be purified in love. So it's actually the gift of the Lord to us, all those situations in our lives. And as a community, we must remind each other of that. Reading this, I kind of chuckle, or hearing this, I kind of chuckle because it's not an overly important comment, but I kind of chuckle when we read this first message because I heard one of the comments going around these past few weeks, months, was that what a waste of Father Jordy's priesthood that he's lost there up there in Georgia to now that he should be running these massive parishes in Miami and doing so much good. And I think to myself, you know, Father Jordy's Eucharistic life, and I personally testify here in Georgia, him and, and George are exemplary in their Eucharistic life. And is he not doing exactly what he should be doing? Because that comment that went out is so much based completely on the world, and a comment that each of us are fighting in our own lives, that the more you do and the more people, apparently it's, it's, it's the greater, so that it really, what that comment is saying from actually someone within the community, they didn't get it at all. <laughs> they, missed, they missed the core of our spirituality, because what they're saying is, Father's hidden life in the refuge is a waste. And that, you can see so clearly to me, was the voice of Satan. Mm -hmm. Completely. Because it's a lie. It's a downright lie. And it's actually, Satan even used that because he knows the power of Father Jordy's life hidden here in Georgia. It's actually the opposite. And it's the same thing for each of us. Mm -hmm. So how did the Lord teach us? How do, we, how do we become a living host? How do we participate in the life of the Eucharist? Well, it's really like Father Ron was saying, it's really very simple but hard. It's not complicated. God is not complicated. And he tells us right here in this message in our path. He says, learn about the hidden life by contemplating my Eucharistic life. Now, all of us have to ponder these words of the Lord before him in the Eucharist. Jesus is hidden there, in the, in, and he's, this is what he's saying. I am hidden 
from your human eye, but completely present. I am verbally silent, yet my soul speaks to your soul. I am humble, pure, simple, silent, generous, forgiving, merciful, patient, tender. Now this is where he gets specific. I give myself fully to the good and the bad. So we have to think in our lives, who are the good and the bad? Am I willing to also give myself to the people I don't like in my life? It's really easy to give myself fully to those that I love. Am I willing to give myself also fully to those people that I don't like? And sometimes they're, many times they're within my own family. To the deserving and the undeserving. To those that love me and to those that persecute me. This has become a reality lately in our lives because we're being persecuted. I am being persecuted. And I have to tell you, this message of the Lord has taken on a new meaning for me. Because when I am hurt, my tendency, as I was telling Anna, is to enter resentment. And I've had to make a choice before the Lord in the Eucharist to love and to, and it was very hard. Because it wasn't just to pray for, I can pray for those that are persecuting me. I really don't have a problem with that. It's not hard for me to pray for them. But I'll tell you what, what was hard for me. Is to look at the Lord in the Eucharist and say, okay. I give my life as a victim's soul. I offer the sacrifice of my life for these people. That was hard for me to do. And it took me a while. But you see, that's what the Lord is teaching me here. For when okay. I continue to love those that do not love me. Do you feel many times in your in your life not loved? By sometimes those closest to you? Are we willing to continue when we are not loved to reciprocate with love? That's Jesus in the Eucharist. I continue to love those that use me. I don't know, but mothers many times feel very used in our family. Sometimes I feel that I am really used as the bank and the taxi. Now, not so much the taxi because most of my children drive. But am I willing to love authentically? Not being a doormat and not being an enabler of disorder. You see? Because that is also not authentic love. And that is a purification for all of us. Because true love is not a doormat. The other aspect of this scenario is very dynamic in, in the life of Sister Faustina. You have to recognize the evil one is never about just 
doing something evil. He all it's, it's some I've been fascinated. I've always lived in climates where after a rainfall you can see the spiders at work. And especially even here, the sometimes the webs that they design are so intricate and so absolutely fascinating. The spider webs. And I always look at that as exactly as what Satan does. He likes to make a spider web. One person carrying the gossip to another person. That's the first part of the chain of the web. And then it, the web keeps growing and growing. And the web is supposed to ensnare some, some insects so that he could feed on them and destroy them. What breaks the web that Satan weaves? Love. He cannot stand love. One time, a whole army of devils left the room of Sister Faustina. They were trying to attack her, and they all start screaming. You know, and, and they couldn't stand being in the room. Why? Because she was responding with love to a situation. So the one thing that you won't see that's happening, when you respond with love to that person that's unlovable, you will send Satan screaming. Another interesting facet about that, I have a lot of knowledge about the addiction alcoholism, and I've taken many people to the meetings, and they, one of the things they teach is that if, you know, if you're living with an alcoholic, You can never preach to him about his drinking, because that will only aggravate him into drinking more. But if you want to do something that'll ruin his drinking and get him very angry, in a sense, because he can't handle it, is to show him love. By showing that person love, destroy the hatred in them. And what drives them to drink and to self-destruction is their own self-hatred. And they always have to have a reason to make themselves more destructive, to drink more. And the reason becomes someone's lashing out at them. But if someone shows them love and kindness, they can't handle that. They, they don't want it. So even in that kind of situation, where it's a non-spiritual organization, they teach the power of love.
That is what you have to remember. Because it's not just about you uniting yourself with the victim. You're also destroying Satan and sending him screaming back down. You're driving him out of your house when you love the unlovable person in your house. Because many times people said to me, Father, it's like living with the devil in the house. You know, can you do something about it? No, I say, you can. You love that person. You'll drive that devil right back down. And, and I think something that I've had to learn and something through the path of, of purification because the Lord brings us the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring all our disharmony in us, all our disorder to order because that is love. And so I think part of learning is in Jesus Christ, authentic love, pure love. Because sometimes we may think that to love someone is to enable that person. But that is not love. And there you see the dysfunctional you know, relationships. So, you know, that's part of what we all need to learn that the Lord wants to teach us and the Holy Spirit is teaching us through the path is true divine love. So... Some of the reflection questions. In these pages, on page 15, you will see a lot. It's very important. The Lord here, you begin to see the hidden life, the hidden force, the Eucharist all together. And that is something that only through the Holy Spirit, each of us can really enter and begin to live more and more. That is the way of life of the Love Crucified community. It's the hidden life as the hidden force in the Eucharist. So the reflection questions are, what sacrifices and efforts do I make to spend time with the Lord? Has the Eucharist become the center of my life? Is my time with the Lord transforming me into Eucharist? able to love and do what is most difficult. Has my contemplation of the Blessed Sacrament led me to experience the expansion of my heart to suffer with him? Am I becoming a living host by being with the living host? Do, not does, do I see the fruit of my time with the Blessed Sacrament in my relationships with those in my daily life? Am I receiving the love of God that He is transmitting through the Eucharist? While we were writing as a team these reflection questions, we got into a big um, discussion. And one of the discussions was that there can be people who go to Mass daily 
and even go before the Blessed Sacrament daily and not be growing and being transformed in love. Um, and we witnessed it. So that is why, you know, the question isn't just, am I going to Mass daily? But you have to unite that. What, what am I seeing in my life from? What is the fruit of my being with the Lord? Am I loving more and more in, as Jesus in the Eucharist? Those most difficult to love. Like, that is where we have to do the examination of conscience here. You know, am I one that continues to murmur and gossip? Am I, is the Eucharist moving me to greater transparency, to live in the light? Can I speak to people honestly with love and respect of what I'm seeing? Is my communication with my spouse changed? You know? Um, to give a, an illustration about it, I think that sometimes we see the Eucharist as an armory. That's where they keep the ammunition and the weapons. And we know God is powerful, and we see trouble out there, so we go to the Eucharist to arm ourselves with this raw power so that we can go into the mission. But Jesus is not just a neutral weapon for us to use according to the threats that we perceive. He is the Lord who is going to deal first with us and change our mindset. And oftentimes, the first enemy, it's myself. And the way I'm looking at the threat and the way I'm dealing with things and by going to the Eucharist, he is going to convict me of how I must change. And I, one of the most wonderful uh, witnesses to me is when I hear uh, a wife or a husband saying, I'm having this, I'm seeing this situation with my husband, for example, and how they, how he behaves, and I'm um, just so bothered by it. And then Jesus in the Eucharist showed me how I kind of trigger that. And how I with my self-righteousness, I'm kind of in a vicious circle instead of allowing the Lord to heal me so that I can minister to Him through my transformation. And that is a, a real biggie. You know, the Eucharist is first and foremost going to transform me. The world might not change. You know, Maximilian Colby is an example to me always, always in so much, many things. He did not change the Nazis. He did not change the, the war, but the Lord sure changed him. And his testimony and his witness is an enduring, powerful witness in the church until the end of times. And like that is the, like the case of every saint. It's, it's the transformation of my mentality and my heart to be able to fight the fight being Christ. 
And the way that Jesus fought the, the, his own fights is not the way I would have fought them. So I have to learn. And I think maybe some of, uh, of you can give testimony of that with your own husbands and your children, how the Lord has changed us. The difference between enabling and loving. Are there questions to consider, things to, to think about? Because I often think when dealing with, with my teens, when I'm, when I'm saying no, you know, I stop and I say, am I saying no because I'm just fed up, I'm tired of dealing with this? Mm -hmm. Or is no really in their best interest? Mm -hmm. Because often it comes after we've already been like this, and it's very hard to tell where the source of the... The, the no is, and there's not a lot of time at that point to consider what the, kind of, you know what I'm saying, what the option Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, am I saying no because I'm fed up with it, or I'm saying no because I'm really, as a mother, discerning that's the best interest, that's the best for him, and if I say, if I say yes, I'm going to be an enabler. Oh, you know, he said, he's asked me 20 times, so I'm going to say yes, and I'm enabling. So the, the, the criteria in the sermon is, like, you know, like you say, it's, um, am I really, to the best of my knowledge, am I doing this for the good of this person, and because I believe this is what God wants, or I'm just reacting because I'm bothered by it. So I'm, to know the difference, it's something we need to pray and, and, and develop, and you are the best teachers. Because <laughs> you've gone through it. My first thought would be the very fact that you're asking that question seems very healthy to me. It's already a sign yeah. that you're moving in the right direction. And you may not necessarily, there'll be probably plenty of opportunities where you're discovering, yeah, maybe that no wasn't, I was acting out of, in a certain, imposing my authority because I'm just fed up with the, the kid. So the fact that you're asking the question will necessarily lead you to in the future, I think, act in a, in a more reflective way. You'll catch yourself in those, in those exact moments. Yes. Also, what I feel that I've learned when it comes to actually children is the importance of the complementarity between a husband and wife. Because mothers, you know, as the kids grow, they change. And the mothers begin very close to the children, the nurturers, nursing them. And we can cling, you know. Mm -hmm. And the men begin to see, like, I've had to learn to really, really listen to my husband. And I have seven boys. So for me, I've had to learn to trust him. I trust him very much. And sometimes I look at him and go, really? <laughs> We're not going to put a consequence here? <laughs> don't you think we need one? Because <laughs> I don't get it all the time. I can try to, I think I can sometimes be stricter than him. But he's seeing the boys in a different way than mommy. And I really have had to to really adjust my parenting through to, to really trust Peter. You know? Especially as they get older. And I think you 
gets caught up in trying to win every one of those battles. And you never will. <laughs> and so that the and this is what builds trust up not only in, in your spouse, but also in God. That if you you know, if you thought you were doing the right thing and it turns out wrong, just give it to the Lord and just thank Learned. for the gift of you know, this is where the Holy Spirit comes into our lives because the, those gifts are there for the asking. They're not, you know, reserved gifts like a reserved whiskey. I like reserved. That's what made me think of it. You know, it, it's their the gift of wisdom, the gift of food. To just ask for that every day at, at communion time, because that's the perfect time you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you say, I need the gift of discernment. I need the gift of wisdom. I need to know in this situation, am I enabling, am I doing this? That when the Holy Spirit, when you're begging, begging, begging the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Amen. And, and one more thing here, since we're talking about spouses here. I think something else that I really have learned um, and has been a blessing, and I've learned a lot in, in this community, and that is when there are women that are walking, especially in a community like Love Crucified spiritually, you know, you have a lot of women here that are moving advanced spiritually in the path. And a lot of times I feel that the men, we make them feel inadequate. And I remember that the Holy Spirit convicting me because my husband would look at me and it would pierce my heart and it was showing me my, giving me self-knowledge of my pride. He would say, I know, I'm always the wrong one. <laughs> well, yes, you are. <laughs> You know, but I realized, you know, what, what the Spirit was showing me is that I was, I was actually hurting Peter very much. I was making, I, his wife that loved him, was making him feel constantly inadequate. Mm -hmm. And I had to, more and more, not that I'm doing it perfectly, but it's a constant work for me is to constantly, and I tell this to all the married women, <laughs> I'm so glad, is you need to really appreciate, we need to appreciate our husbands. And we need to affirm them. And I would say there, the majority of men like us have very profound father wounds. Very deep father wounds. And if your husbands or your brothers or fathers have deep father wounds, those men in our life were not affirmed by their fathers. And maybe they had mothers that were not tender, mothers giving them that cariño and that tenderness, so they had harsh, demanding, controlling mothers. And so really what they need the most of anything are men, is to be affirmed. 
They need to be told, you're doing a great job. You're a great husband. You're a great dad. They need to hear that. And we as women, that's what our Blessed Mother did with all those men, all those apostles. What do you think all those men were? Peter. I mean, you know, Our Lady knew as a woman how to help raise up those men. And as mothers of the cross, if we're going to raise up our men, we have to learn to truly, in our Blessed Mother, love them and see the beauty of each and every one of them and affirm them. And that includes our priests. (laughs) But not, not just these, but, you know, priests out there, you know, they don't get affirmed a lot, and they don't get love, and they're lonely. What they get a lot is flattered. Which is also not good. Right. Okay. Because that's not love. Because that's you not see? love. But it's a true, true, uh, honest um, affirmation of who they are, but not the flattering, which is what usually in the parishes what they get, and the kind of like, you know, making them little stars or making them, you know, idols, idols, you know, which is completely wrong. Uh, the also, what I used to see in the parish a lot, is women would come to Mass and their husbands wouldn't go to Mass with them. And then they'd say, oh, Father, how I pray, how I wish my husband would come to, to Mass with me, how I would like to change him. You know, you that is not your job to uh, wish and ask for him to change. The, you, you love the person as they are. God will change them when he's ready. But that's not your job, and that's very important for you to discern that. Because if you're spending your life trying to change your husband, you're spending your life destroying your marriage. Mm -hmm. When I started homeschooling, I remember I picked up a book um, I think I'm Marie, you remember? Yeah. It said, How to Change Your Husband. <laughs> <laughs> and I had just started homeschooling and I had just started the community and I wanted my, my the love of my life to share this with me. And I said, This is fantastic. <laughs> I can change my husband. <laughs> Anne Marie looks at me seriously with a serious look and she says, this book is about you changing you, not about you changing your husband. <laughs> I was so depressed. <laughs> what do you mean? I have to change. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> I said, this is awful. What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't understand. And as a testimony, I tell you that when I united every tear with blessed mother's tears and when and if you can correct me if i'm wrong if when i if when i changed is when he was inspired because it really wasn't me changing it was the lord i was allowing the lord to live in me and that's what he saw and we do need to honor the men and and treat them as the head of the household and the priests that they are it doesn't matter where they are and by your love and your affirmation, something will happen. 
Zilkia went, came to me today and said something. And, and I thought, you know what? The, the Lord has guided us through the, this path for years very much through Zilkia. I mean, Zilkia, a lot of the testimonies in our path are actually... In every chapter of this path, there is a testimony of Zilkia. She has really been at the forefront for years of this community, living, struggling, suffering through this narrow path, so transparent that the Holy Spirit has used her for the everyday living of the path. It's been... And today she said something to me that I thought, wow, this is really good. And what she says is, in our wounds, mother wounds and father wounds, guess what? Me being a spiritual mother of the community and father being a spiritual father of the community many times, your wounds can be transmitted I'm sorry. to us. So explain, Tokyo, teach us. So, um, and today... Um, from the moment I got here, um, um, from the moment Father Jordy opened his mouth and we began the retreat, immediately the Lord showed me the older son in me, which I shared with some of you, that the older son of the prodigal son is a tenant here. He lives in here. But, you know, those people that you look and you avoid, you know, looking to the around, I have to say hello and meet the person I have been avoiding the older son, the prodigal son, so in me. So I met the guy, and he's ugly, very <laughs> ugly. He is jealousy. She is jealousy and selfishness. And um, so I shared two things have happened. One I wish I could do at. The other, one, the other one I will wait for confirmation or acceptance from the other person to see if they want to share or not. But I will share what happened here, and that is that the, the Satan went into my wound. He doesn't want me to share with you. Here. So yes, Satan went yeah. to my wound and um, of uh, the lack of love for my mother. And I was kind of angry and upset with Lourdes because Lourdes is my mommy. And you're all taking her from me. <laughs> and she's not giving me attention. She's not loving me. She's not talking to me. I haven't been with her. My mommy. <laughs> and I'm upset because she hasn't looked at me. She hasn't been with me. She hasn't held me. And so I went straight to her after begging the Lord for courage and saying, Lourdes, this is what I'm feeling. You're my mommy. And you don't love me. And you don't hold me. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, so that is um, the the mother move. And, but I knew that if I went to her in all humility and as hard as it is, that Satan would flee, and hopefully healing would come to that motherhood. And um, yes, I thought that was. Thank you, Sophia. That is so beautiful. And I thought that was so transparent, so beautiful. Because you know what? That's true. And all everyone in this community has to watch out for that. What's interesting? is all weekend in this retreat, in my heart, I have been wanting to talk to her. And the Lord was not permitting me even to come close to her. And I knew the Spirit was working. And the Spirit was saying, no, you know, you talk with her, you talk with her, but not with Sylvia. 
And I can see why. Because the Lord needed that to happen so that he could bring her to that wound and how that jealousy plays out. And so even this is going to play out with those of you, with those of us that have father wounds, the same thing with Father Jordy. And you can hold some resentment thinking, he's not being the father, I really want him to be. And, and you know what I'm saying? So we, the Lord is showing this for the first time in this community, we're speaking publicly about this. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit to show us that this is going to happen in us too, you know, with us. And this is another moment of God through the path bringing us, elevating us, maturing us, transforming us. How beautiful. And it all came about because our sister had the courage to suffer it and then the transparency to share it. And the Holy Spirit then works. Not Satan. Of course. Um, there's something else that I think is really powerful also. And I think it's, I wasn't going to share, but I think I've asked for her permission and, and she's agreed. Um, I think it's important actually in light of the suffering that we've just gone through. And I don't even story. Okay, something else that the Lord showed me. Is, is selfishness in, in my heart with my mother that I don't want anybody to have because I, I need her love. But also jealousy with my sister. Jealousy in that I was, you know, I'm the older brother and you've come into my house and this is my house and you can be here because I'm, 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 I'm the loved one. I'm the loved one. I don't want you to be loved unloved. This has been a couple of years actually several years of a struggle, um, and you don't know this, I haven't shared it with this with you, <laughs> but, um, because I have not opened my heart actually in spiritual accompaniment uh, fully, completely, just a little. <laughs> I gave you just a little, so I confess, and, but, um, so, so when the Lord showed me the jealousy in my heart and I had to meet this older brother, I said, I've got to kill this right now because Satan is working here. And I didn't want tonight to come and me still have this hardness of heart. The Lord has shown me numbness, hardness of heart, jealousy, and um, selfishness. The, 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 the Lord has really made a beautiful bond between Zoki and I at the beginning of um, when, I, when I entered the community. And we got to be really close. We got to be very close. And um, I'm going to follow you. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and yes, he did get in through our wounds. Through our wounds, um, if they're not healed, he will. So from the beginning, we were very close. We had a very, very close sisterhood. And the devil came in, and through our wounds, her wounds and my wounds, he separated us. And it's been a struggle. Last retreat, um, he was able to show me my personal woundedness, and a lot of things happened. I went down, it was like a mini depression, and the Lord, I suffered that with the Lord, and we've been healing that. And so today my sister comes to me, 
And she said, and she said all these things to me. And I felt in my heart that I wanted to get closer to her again. But I hadn't had the chance. I've been wanting to call her, I've been wanting to be with her. But I haven't had the chance. So she comes up to me and she did something so beautiful because I have a wound in people probably being jealous with me, my own family members or people that I love and they're not in my life and I want to overcome that. I want to suffer that with the Lord. Sophia did something truly amazing. She said to me, I need to ask you forgiveness but I need to kiss your feet. to mention something in the way that Silke expressed herself like when she was talking she was talking she's my mommy and she you know and for some people especially men can be very shocking you know because it's like baby talk or children talking and, and that can I know that sometimes it's difficult but you know something the wound is a child is a child wound it comes from childhood so you hear in you that way. So it's exactly she, what she voiced. It's exactly that child in her that is speaking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not the woman, the adult Silkia, that's saying, she's my mommy. But <laughs> 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 it's like Silkia, where she was heard when she was a child that is claiming what belongs to her, what she longs for, whatever. And that's how it talks. So it's so powerful to show it that way. And I know that can be like sometimes 
You know, I know that men can feel like, what are they what talking about? What do you mean? And women. <laughs> but no, and women no, too. But, but you know, sometimes, you know, it's no, like, but, but, you know, women, but, we go more into those kind of feelings, but I know, dealing with men, that it can be quite we hard. We understand. Quite <laughs> 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 hard sometimes. They are capable too. To, uh, yes, I know they are. Of course they are. Okay. <laughs> to me, I, I pull out something very profound. It's something that I need to bring to uh, to prayer. But the light for me is necessarily I bring my own Canadian parents, my wounds to my mom and dad. I impose them on Lourdes and Father in a certain way. I live with Father. He's a real father figure. And so, I, you know what? There's something, there's real material for me to examine. The way I relate to Father is it. Well, how much of my relationship with my own dad am I dumping on the bottom? And I have to go there. So, that's it. That's it. Just let you know, do you know that if, if Silkia and uh, Juliana, <laughs> just to say uh, that if they had not done what they had done, the devil would have taken them both out of the community. That's, I've seen this happen in other communities that I've been in too. You either go through that and you acknowledge it and you repent and you become vulnerable or you are going to be... It's true. Or, or shut down. 